Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and today we're gonna talk all about how to help your highly sensitive child Pick the right sport or athletic experience, extracurricular experience, what have you. If you have been finding it difficult to decide, right? You might have signed your kid up for for any sort of extracurricular activity. We'll go with sports today. And you find yourself wondering if you made the right decision because your kid is losing it on the field or the court or on, on the track, right? then you definitely wanna make sure that you're listening in today because we're gonna cover all about where you're stuck and whether or not you should be choosing sports over meltdowns, okay? Um, So it's a little bit of a clever twist today. I'll talk about what I mean by that, but it's really, really important. If you're choosing the sport over choosing how to get the meltdowns out of the way, then you are going to stay stuck, okay? Let's cover that. So what is daily meltdown cycle? We help our parents, the clients that we work with, parents of sensitive kids, break out of daily meltdowns. Daily meltdowns look like hitting, kicking, screaming, throwing your body on the floor, saying that life would be better off without you or without me. I hate you. You don't love me anymore. Any of those sentences come out of your, your child's mouth when they are overwhelmed or when they are frustrated or upset or angry then definitely make sure that you're listening in because this is something that we help parents break out of that pattern. The parents that we work with, we've been doing this for, uh, I've been working with this with this population for over a decade. We've been doing this model for several years now. And what we know for sure is that parents have been breaking out of this cycle by focusing on how to end the meltdown cycle. Now, parents who stay stuck in the meltdown cycle are ones who try to change the environment for their child. And I really wanna cover how to do that effectively because you are in control of your child's environment for the most part in some avenues, right, at home. Uh, But in the community and at school, you have to be calculated with your choices in that respect. Otherwise, uh, there are some some pretty big minefields you could be um, walking right on to. So I wanna cover these things today, okay? So, If your child is melting down on the field or freaking out right after um, their their sports game or refusing to go, right, uh, to practice, then your child is, is, and they're highly sensitive, your child is likely really struggling with those big emotions during the entire experience. Uh, Even if they are showing up happy, smiling, loving playing, doing the best they can, you know, making the shots, let's go with soccer today. (laughs) <laughs> I know a thing about soccer. I can probably stay within the appropriate terms. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, uh, it'll be a it'll be a surprise. It's like one of those um, 
you know, spin the wheel and you get a bonus treat. See if I can make it happen. Sports are not my, uh, my forte. It's not my expertise. <laughs> but um, when we think about the, the challenge that you could be having, so, you know, I played soccer as a kid. We can go with that example. Your child is running drills, right? They might be kicking the ball, lining up, waiting for, um, waiting for, for their teammates to go. They might be dribbling down the field, waiting for an open shot, or hearing from their teammate, pass to me, pass to me, or they're yelling, pass to me, pass to me, I'm open, I'm open, right? And any of those things go not according to your child's plan, and then bam, right? What happens? Your child loses it, they huff off the field, they're ready to kick their teammate, they're ready to push their coach, or they're completely uh, ignoring the, the, the directives of their coach and their teammates, and they're just so focused on wanting to get their outcome that they're ignoring everybody involved, right? So part of this is typical child behavior, you're saying, right? Yes, yes. But the losing it, the aggression, and the walking off and making unsafe choices, that's not safe, right? So your sensitive child could very well be just one track minded, super focused on the field, but then before and after, sorry guys, I live in a house where there is a sensitive fire alarm. So um, there's a human upstairs uh, and uh, they're cooking and there's nothing to be, if you can hear that alarm, it's just, it'll pass, it'll be over in a second. Um, and so nothing to be alarmed about, but I'm ching. Um, so with that being said, if there is, I guess they'll come down for me, right? <laughs> I'll hear noises. Um, and, and so when we're, when we're dealing with this challenge, okay, there it's over. You might not have even heard it. I don't know if my mic is that fancy. I had to acknowledge it. Fire alarm going off in my house. Um, so where was I, right? Your child is super focused on their outcome. They're super focused on wanting to, to get the, the to score the ball um, into the shot. See, I told you I don't do sports. It's been years. <laughs> it's been years. <laughs> um, and they're, they're just trying to, to trying to run the ball down the field and, and, and kick it into the goal, right? And um, they're, they're not able to take in any more information or they're super overwhelmed by all the information on the field, the shuffling of the, the cleats on the grass, the whistle that's super irritating from, um, from the referee, the, the kids, the, the, the crowd noise, right? That crustly um, human noise. Maybe there's a, a really uh, fervent, uh, passionate parent who thinks they are the coach um, I almost went uh, stereotypical, said he, <laughs> could be relevant, right, um, is the coach, right, and, and uh, they're yelling different commands, which crisscrosses from what the coach is saying, and so then it's just chaos, chaos in the environment, and if your sensitive kid is trying to take all this in and play a good game, then they could really be struggling and, and uh, worried and nervous about doing the right thing, getting it right the first time, meeting their outcome, managing their big emotions, keeping their friends happy because they're sensitive, so they want to have those good relationships. And then also, not to mention, the hand-eye coordination that goes into making sure that you actually kick the ball into the right goal, down the field, in the right spot, around the goalie, right? All the things, okay? And stay within the rules so you don't get in trouble because that's another fear. 
Okay, all of these things going on for your kid in soccer, right? What's the common thread? Newsflash, the common thread is not soccer. <laughs> it's not the actual sport that's overwhelming your kid, okay? So if your go-to plan is to pull your kid out or choose a different sport or say, you know what? I'm, I, I don't think this is the right, the, the right move. Maybe we should try a different league or a different um, activity for my kid. I don't think my kid can handle it in soccer. I really encourage you to take a pause because if your child is struggling with managing their big emotions before they go to the game or practice and they're leading to, that's leading to refusal, to shutdowns, to procrastination so they don't pack their stuff up fast enough and then it's just a whole hustle and bustle rush experience because they're avoiding it until the last minute. Any of the above, all of the above, right? Especially if you're an older child, they might not be melting down anymore, but they might be refusing and screaming at you. I'm not going. And you know your kid loves the game, maybe, right? Maybe this is the situation we're talking about and you are stuck in the position of feeling like you can't honor your kid's love because that particular sport might not be the fit that you want, uh, that you think your kid can manage, right? So it's really important to notice the common thread isn't the sport because wherever you go, there you are. I don't know who said that, so it wasn't me. It was a fancy quote from somebody. I could have Googled it uh, ahead of time if I had thought about it, but I just thought about it right now. Um, so what happens? You can put your kid into Taekwondo and they freak out before the match. I think I'm using the right word. Forgive me if I'm not. Or you put your kid into ballet and they freak out because they can't get their toes in the right position right away. Um, and their instructor is tapping them on the shoulder and saying, arm up higher, right? Can't demonstrate that for those watching this on video <laughs> um, with my shawl thing sitting on it. And so um, what happens is that your child is struggling to take in all of the details from their experience, categorize it, regulate their emotions associated with it, and then respond in an appropriate way for the task at hand. And that is not a sports problem. That is an emotion regulation problem. So if you're choosing to switch sports, or to prioritize sports over prioritizing ending the meltdown cycle, you will stay stuck, right? You might have a magical experience. Your kid might love ballet, switch from soccer to ballet, might love it, right? Might, uh, you know, the, the teacher might be soft-spoken, might take her time, his time, whatever. You might have a great season in ballet. So I'm not saying that switching, if you've done this already, uh, that, the, that, that it's doomsday here. That's not my objective. My objective here for, for all of these shows is to show you the common thread and to help you see that if you try to change the outside environment for your kid, that is not going to move the needle in ending the meltdown cycle. Instead, you'll start to see meltdowns with school or with their siblings or in riding the bus, getting out the door on time for school or in homework, 
or with friends. Why? Because the common thread is that your child's not able to manage their emotions. And that is a challenge of the meltdown cycle. And you can put the meltdown anywhere, right? Wherever you go, there you are. So you can put that tornado of big emotional intensity in Kansas. You're going to end up with a broken house. You can put it in North Carolina, less likely, usually more hurricanes we're talking, but again, I'm not a weather woman. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're going to end up with a broken house, right? You put that tornado in your child's emotional body, they're going to end up with a broken sense of self. Now, is your kid broken? Nope. The strategy in terms of helping them feel capable is they will definitely feel like they're broken or judge themselves or worry if they're broken, right? But instead, because all children know that they weren't put on this earth to be miserable, they're going to feel a pretty big disconnect to, um, to any sort of indication that, um, that they're the ones that need to be fixed, right? Um, you couldn't hack it at soccer, so let's see if you could hack it in ballet. That sends a message to the kid, um, to your child, that their skill set is lacking, but you're trying to change the environment to see if that works for them. Um, and so that's really, really important. Now, again, it's, it's, it's very important to understand that if your child doesn't like the sport, never liked the sport, you sign them up for the sport to see if they'd like it, the, the coach wasn't kind and patient, right? Then yeah, switch the sport, right? Like, obviously. Um, but what I'm talking about here is if your child is losing it and struggling and feeling out of control consistently and they don't know how to break out of this pattern and all you're doing is switching the sport, it's not, it's, it's not going to be the right approach. Okay. So this is important, right? Cause what we, what we notice is that your child might be experiencing these big emotions. They might love the sport and love the sport and be so passionate about it that they could end up being quote unquote, a poor sport. What does that mean? <laughs> what is that label? That label means that they're not able to manage their big emotions about what happened. Disappointed, right? Sad, upset that they lost. What happens? They end up blaming other people because they don't know how to manage those emotions. They, they blame the other team. They sulk. And that's not socially appropriate. So that can lead to their teammates being worried or embarrassed. If their teammates don't know how to manage their own emotions, they can blame your kid for making a big deal out of something or making it worse. Or the coach can be like, dude, like, you know, you got to get it together. This isn't the way that we show sportsmanship, right? All of those are, are important for your child to learn how to express their emotions safely. And that's what's going to help them show up as a flexible sport instead of a quote unquote good sport, right? Because no, no child is bad. So how do we break out of this, right? In those moments when your child is experiencing those big meltdowns and you're trying to, to support your child in noticing exactly what's going what's gonna to help them, you might look to other adults to see if they're willing to help you. And your emotions can add to the intensity if all you're getting back at you is other adults looking at your kid like, why isn't your kid getting it together? Or why can't you just control your kid, right? And, and when that's happening and you're just trying to, to put a choke collar on your kid and say, you know, hey, get it together or we're, we're going home, right? 
then uh, you're responding in the same kind as the people who are giving you the look, like you can't manage it. When all you need is for another parent to look at you and say, oh, this is hard, right? And in those moments, in order to be able to shift out of that, that big emotion yourself, of embarrassment, of pressure, of, right, of, of, of uh, insecurity, of uncertainty, for you to be able to break that pattern, you need to be able to notice that you can be a problem solver and that that problem solving personality that you have could very well need some guidance on how to solve the problem, not that you know how to solve the problem. What do I mean by that? I just kind of said the same thing and different, um, uh, repeat, repeated myself, right? So I want to cover this. If you identify as a problem solver, somebody who knows how to solve problems and you know how, that everything is figure outable and, and you're trying to help your child by ending the meltdown in the sports game and you're seeing the meltdown in the sports game as the problem, then your job is going to be to stop the meltdown by all means necessary because if you're trying to solve the problem and the problem is the meltdown, then problem solved when the meltdown goes away, right? Wrong. Because when your child is experiencing that meltdown, they feel out of control. So if you're trying to tell your kid to get it together, you're telling your kid to do the opposite of how they're experiencing the world. And that is a very big switch to flip. Um, you know, a, a pretty heavy coin to turn from heads to tails. And that in and of itself, that experience for your child is very invalidating. And so the same thing that you're experiencing when you're trying to get your kid to, to get it together because you see other parents who can't manage, um, you know, seeing a child upset and they, they're giving you dirty looks about it, that in and of itself for you is, um, if you don't know how to regulate your own emotions and manage the fact that other people can think whatever they want to think, but you're doing the best you can and you're trying to consistently do better, then for you, you're going to think that the other people looking at you are in charge of who you are and how you show up and how you respond to the world. And what that means is that you're going to start to make that pressure a reality. Uh, that, that, that experience of feeling like you need to solve the problem now, that assumption that you need to solve the problem now, will lead you to try to solve the problem now by any means necessary. And so it's really important for you as a parent that you regulate your own emotions, that you notice how to manage your own emotions and that you keep it together regardless of other people's opinions. And you're saying to yourself right now, Meg, that's easier said than done. And yeah, only if you don't have a plan, right? So our clients, when they have a system, it's so much easier because they know that the system works and that they'll eventually break the pattern and that they will solve the problem because they've seen it ha solved in multiple avenues of their life. And so then they can look at other people and see them look at them and they can smile back and say, I've got this. Instead of seeing somebody else and saying, oh shit, I'm making them feel, sorry, pardon my French. Oh shoot, I'm making them feel uncomfortable. And, and now what, right? So let's make sure that we understand where the, the stuck piece is and how we break out of that pattern, right? And when we are 
noticing how to support your kid in, in doing that, you want to make sure that you're noticing that you're leading your child, right? That this is, this is the focus, right? Um, if your child is scared of what other people might think of them or scared of you uh, in terms of what you might think of your kid because you need your kid to get it together right now, then that is not helping your child feel in control. Instead, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm in control and you need to listen to me because other people are watching or other people are in control and then I'm not, I'm making you be, uh, you know, keep it together so that I can feel in control, which is another scary experience for your kid. And what happens is that your child starts to become afraid of you and they stop trusting that you can help them manage their emotions. And when that, when, when that's the case, right? Cause if your embarrassment is leading how you are uh, sh teaching your child to, to keep it together, then your child starts to fear you. And if your child is fearing you, then they're not going to be able to trust you. And instead they will stop trusting themselves as well uh, as a result. And so the, they'll, they'll start uh, discounting their own experiences and as a result, hold it all in. What happens though, is when they explode, cause that's inevitable, is that they will then start to um, beat themselves up about it. And there's the shame. That's the shame spiral that we talk about. I'm the worst kid ever. Can't believe I did that. Oh, will you ever forgive me? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All of that, right? So instead, self-control turns into self-flagellation. And for kids, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're whipping themselves in the back, right? But they're certainly beating themselves up about it and they're helping you perpetuate the pattern because if you're reassuring them in that moment, then that's also creating a bigger problem. So how do we break out of this, right? You need to be able to notice that what you're doing by just switching willy-nilly sport to sport to see what works for your kid. If you're not also like, you know, like I said, if you're, if you're switching sports because it's an inappropriate experience for a child to have, fine. Do that, of course, right? It's every parent's job to make sure their kid's in a healthy learning environment. But if your kid's freaking out because they don't know how to manage their big emotions in soccer, who's to say that they're not going to have the same experience in Taekwondo? We've helped so many kids and so many parents over the years that I can tell you there's no, there's no highly sensitive sport. <laughs> We've seen kids lose it in, uh, and related to dance, swimming, Taekwondo, other martial arts, um, soccer, basketball, um, gymnastics. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, in terms of mental sports. And there are so many pieces to that emotion regulation puzzle that are outside of the factor that your kid is playing a game. Uh, and this is really important to understand. So, so for you, if you know that, that you're, you're, you're gonna support your kid in growing out of this big emotion, by growing into their emotions, um, growing out of this big emotion explosion by growing into feeling capable of managing their emotions, then I've got news for you. It's important that you not spin the wheel, right? On whatever, um, whatever sport you decide for that season to see if that's the one that's gonna help your kid regulate, okay? 
So your child needs to learn how to manage their emotions in every situation, not just in uh, the sport of, of what's the their preference, okay? It's got nothing to do with whether or not they answer to a basketball coach or a dance instructor or, or a gymnastics instructor or a soccer coach or a sensei or um, the do, you know, I'm not going to use the right words for the rest of the sports. So I'm going to stop. Um, and so if that's the case, right, then your kid who's managing their big emotions, we know that, that, that it's not, you know, it's got nothing to do with what kind of coach. Now, the coach's personality has an impact. Um, but you can advocate. You can advocate for your kid in, in staying in the sport and not having to quit early if you know how to break out of this pattern, okay? What does that teach your kid? That teaches your kid that they can persist through challenge, that they can advocate, that they can um, feel safe in hard situations, right? Rather than needing to just jump out or escape it. And um, on the flip side though, keeping your kid in an unsafe, unhealthy environment and they're not practicing or learning how to advocate or learning how to regulate their emotions in that process, that's scary too, right? So we're not talking about just sucking it up and waiting until they mature. So um, what we're talking about is being able to teach your kid how to say, hey, mom, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I just laughed because we all know all of our kids are likely saying, hey, mom, <laughs> rather than dearest mommy, right? So I'm talking about developmentally appropriate advocacy here. <laughs> but hey, mom, you know, I know I signed up for soccer and I really want to be able to finish the season, but I'm nervous that I won't be able to do it. And it's really hard. And I don't really think soccer is for me because of this reason and this reason and this reason. But um, so I, I really want this to be my last season of soccer. Is that okay with you? Can I try gymnastics in the winter? Right? You hear that from your kid, you're going to be like, yes. <laughs> of course. Where do you want to go, sweetheart? Right? But what you're hearing is, I hate soccer. I'm not going. The coach is terrible. But then when they show up, they're holding it all in, keeping it together, right? So they're having fun. They're trying to put on a brave face, right? Smiling. Might even actually be present in the moment and enjoying it. I'm not saying that the entire time your kid is just faking it till they make it. But there's a pretty clear disconnect between all of the emotions they feel in that sport and what's coming out at home if they're freaking out at home, they're losing it at home, okay? So let's make sure that we have a clear picture of what's going on and sensitive kids who regulate their emotions are sensitive kids who can advocate for themselves. They are kids who stick to their commitments but notice when they've had too much, right? Uh, that those decisions aren't permanent ones that they can end and they can look towards an end date and be okay with it rather than gripping the steering wheel or people pleasing or holding on for dear life or outright refusing. And these children are optimistic, sensitive kids. The potential they have is to be optimistic, but not to the point where they don't feel capable of pivoting when challenges are too much. So sensitive kids are flexible kids. That's what's possible for your kid, okay? They do not have to be rigid. That's an important piece um, that, that we can help you manage. So if this is a challenge that you think that you've been stuck in for quite some time 
and you might have made the, the you know the decision that we we, we recommend against um, which is to pull your kid from a sport if they're freaking out about it as long as the environment you know isn't isn't due to the, the coach berating them or riding them hard with no no uh, you know with just criticism right um, then we encourage you to, to have a conversation uh, with us and, and before you do that I would like you to go ahead and, and check out our masterclass see what actually works right go over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps and on that you'll be able to see what works to break out of this meltdown cycle what five things you need to be able to do um, to, to turn this around okay I encourage you to do that and if you're parenting a teen uh, high school age and up in the US high school age then I would encourage you to go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps underscore teen t-e-e-n and when you do that you'll want to see uh, the opportunity for uh, for your teen to notice that they can make changes and they can pace changes in their life and they can feel uh, totally open to new circumstances without feeling like they have to quit right might be sports might not be uh, we've helped many a parent uh, of sensitive teens and, and teens break out of the pattern of feeling like sports will never be for them because of the competition piece or the all eyes on me piece and I uh, want to encourage you to notice that that is definitely something that you can help your teen build skill around so that they can feel accomplished in, um, in a group organized experience, like activity like a sport. All right, have a wonderful day. It was lovely talking to you. We look forward to talking to you um, once we decide it's a good fit. If you decide to, to go ahead and watch that masterclass, go ahead and do that. We'll see you there, okay? and uh, have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in hearing more about how to eliminate the meltdown cycle, I invite you to check out our free masterclass where we cover the five steps our clients use to eliminate the daily meltdowns. You can register for the next training at meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. That's the number five S T E P S Megan Thompson, coaching.com backslash five steps. Have a great day.